on this week's show. Through in the cup and looking forward to a bright season ahead, we have from Chatham boss Kevin Hake. We've not been silly, you know, with the, with the with the budgets or anything like that. We're a sustainable club, and look, we're going to just look to build on the good things that we've done last season. A challenging off season. How can Corinthian bounce back after losing most of their squad? We speak to Michael Golden. But at times it's been exciting speaking to different types of player that we've just not had to do over the last few years. But I think obviously ultimately what we've got in terms of what the, the club is has been incredibly hard to recruit. Refreshed and ready for a new campaign the club where he started his career, Sam Wood has high hopes for this season at Grey Wanderers. They've got uh, Neil Smith in and he's going to pull it all in and pull it all together as he does and what he's done over the years he's been successful. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Only Podcast, sponsored by Nick Cunningham Plumbing and Heating. The season is underway now for almost all of our teams, but we've still got one last lot to start this weekend and we've got interviews from two of them, as well as a team who booked their spot in the next round of the FA Cup. As always, I'm John Phipps, who ended up with just over five hours sleep after going to a pre-season friendly on Tuesday night. Another line now is a man I saw a picture of this week and I wasn't even sure it was him. It is, of course, Matt Gerrard. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Good. Five hours. I would not be able to survive on five hours sleep, mate. I'd be like a walking zombie. What, what picture was that? That was that, was that the one at Worthing, was it? Yeah, the one that I sent you. Like, genuinely, I saw I saw that picture and I was like, who's that? And then I, oh, and yeah. then I clicked on it and it was like, that's Matt. And then you sort of turned around a bit and I was like, oh, that is Matt. Yeah, but it, it just exactly. didn't look like you. I sent it to you and I said they didn't. The, the the screen grab wasn't your best angle, was it? Yeah, well, yeah, no, no, it probably wasn't. And uh People say my T-shirt was too tight, and if you're a man of a certain age, um, your belly sort of sticks out a little bit. But um, it was it was a cool T-shirt because it was a it was a strange thing T-shirt. So I'm down with the kids, mate. So you know, from the uh, the ice cream parlour. So people have given me a bit of respect for their T-shirt. But should a 47 year old man be wearing strange thing T-shirts? That's that's maybe a question for another day. It, it could be. But if you want to get in touch with your thoughts on that on social media, do feel free. Should a 47-year-old man be wearing Stranger Things t-shirts? And, and also, should a, a man working be be wearing a t-shirt to the football? To be fair, I always remember Steve Turvet, for, formerly of this uh, Paris, now lives in Australia, he always turned up with a shirt and tie on to a game. And I did have respect for, for people like that. But no, um, yeah, I just turn up uh, in my... Um, T-shirt and shorts. I would wear that all year round if I could get away with it. But um, by by November, it's going to be very very cold. So I'm making the most of it with my t-shirt and shorts. You see, representing the uh, uh, the British British Broadcasting Corporation. So in t-shirts and shorts. I'm sure I'm sure um a lot of people out there don't turn up. Well, fair play if they do turn up with a shirt and tie to games like Steve Tavit does or did. I mean, I, I, to be fair, when I go to games, I I I do wear t-shirt shorts or shirt and shorts and flip-flops and stuff. But I'm only representing the Kent Only podcast, and I decided what the uh, what the dress code was for yeah. us, you know, so it's not a problem, is it? No, I, I, no, of course, where I work now, everything's all dressed down. We even had a memo that you could wear smart trainers. So back in the days, we had to wear a suit and tie and all sorts of like that. It's long gone. So probably give it 10 more years. I could probably go to work in a pair of shorts and uh, a T-shirt as well, probably, the way it's going. But Which is good, because... Apart from weddings or funerals, I'm never going to wear a tie again, which is quite handy. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. It's uh, yeah, it's always one of those things, isn't it, when you go to a new place and it's like, oh, what should I be wearing? And funny enough, I got a new contract through from my freelance job the other day, and it was like, uh, I can see part of it that, that, that I must uh, conduct myself in an appropriate professional manner at all times, uh, inclined to to maintain a tire. And I'm like, I'm not being funny, but I do a lot of those shifts in my pajamas. So, you know, I don't, but I'm working from home, so I'm not really offending anyone. But, uh, but there you go. You wear pajamas, do you? Have you got I'm, silk? Uh, I am. Um, here's one for, for, for all the female listeners. I'm in my PJs now, everybody. Uh, I think they got Pingo on or something on like that. I've actually got an England cricket t shirt uh, on and just a pair of grey pajama. Oh, there you go. So, all right. Is that, is that, uh, is that a, the, an England shirt, shirt, cricket shirt? Is it or the? No, it's just a, it's just like a, a red t-shirt with some right. with, an Engl- with the England cricket badge on it and some funky logo. So, um, you know, that's talking my that's cricket, my standard I see, Talking of cricket, I know you're a big fan. See, somebody got a hundred. Don't care. This evening in the in, in the uh, got a hundred in the hundred. Don't care. Don't so care. I don't know. Yeah, they were getting some scores on that. So um, yeah, I did see that. 
Don't care. Okay, I, okay. I know it's bad, but it's been on the telly, and I've managed to watch some cricket, which I quite enjoy watching cricket on the telly. Not having any. Yeah, but other Matt, you scars. you live in Kent, so you could go and watch cricket at Canterbury. Oh no, you can't. That's right, because for some reason that competition is not allowed to be played in Kent. And we better not talk about that because I could fill four podcasts with my thoughts on the hundred. It's our two hundred twentieth episode this week, uh, and two hundred twenty miles is just longer than the longest trip in the National League South this season. The longest individual journey comes in at two hundred nineteen miles. Yes, probably we should have done this one last week, but there you go. Uh, Matt, what is that two hundred nineteen mile journey? Bite with a taunton. That's correct. Uh, there's also a magazine called 220 Triathlon, which is the UK's leading triathlon magazine. And yes, I too wondered why the hell it was called 220. Apparently, that is down to the original method of estimating your maximum heart rate and thus your training heart rate range is to subtract your age from 220. Thankfully, they put that on their website for me or else I would not have had a clue. Uh, ever fancied a triathlon, mate? Uh, I can swim. I can run, but I can't ride a bike. So I'd fail miserably there, wouldn't I, on the bike front? Um, I'm the same as you. Is, is, is triathlon used to be a few years ago? Everybody was doing triathlons, and maybe they're not. In, are they as popular as they once were? I think. Well, they they had a big one in Eastbourne, um, and right. some people it it took them like about 15 hours to do it. This was uh, last month, and they would do it like literally just along the front and everything. Um, as I've seen many people saying a joke, they've said, you know, I could. I can definitely run faster than a dolphin. A dolphin can swim faster than me, so it's all about who's better on the bike in the triathlon, isn't it? Good point. So how do they actually go in the sea? They must have done that. Must have been cold. Yeah, started in the sea, then they cycled miles, and then ended up running along the prom. So fair play to them. Yeah, yeah. At one stage, everybody, I think everybody were doing quite well. The Brownlee brothers, wouldn't they? They were doing quite well. Everybody's sort of triathlon, but I think as maybe we're not doing so well. It's sort of gone off the radar a little bit, Trafford. But there probably is loads going on. I think they used to do one at Leeds Castle, I think, didn't they? Where they swim in that the river that was. Where is that the river? Is that the river there? Moat. Moat. That's probably moat. Probably yeah. So uh, from there. But uh, yeah, not as popular as they once were. Could be completely uh, thing, but I don't think it's much on the TV these days. No. Right. Let's go on with the show. I won't, then. I won't be doing one anyway. So there you go. And you have to be double R, I think, to do a triathlon. Probably. Oh, you do. You have to be much. And, you, and I expect you probably tell everybody you're double R when you do it. I'd imagine so, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Let's go on with the show then. Let's start by looking at the FA Cup, where a number of our teams made it through. Nine from the scaffold, no less. Uh, and all but two of our Eastman League South East sides, who were in the extra preliminary round, also made it through. Top Berlin, I suppose, goes to Tunbridge Wells, who caused an upset as they won 2-1 at Chipstead. Uh, while the other scaffold sides to make it through were Glebe, who won a seven-goal thriller against Holmesdale. Deal Town, who needed a Tuesday night replay to overcome Egham. Phoenix Sports near the town both had good away wins. Punjab United and Rustle also made it through with some home wins, as did Southern Athletic in another all-scaffold tie against Wellingtown. And Stansfield made it through on Sunday as they beat Wembley 4-1. Uh, there's replays taking place as we speak for K-Sports, who did brilliantly to hold Whitehawk on Saturday. And we'll discuss how they're getting on later on the show. Canterbury City are just down the road from me at New Haven. Uh, and Fisher are facing Sutton Common Rovers. Not going too well for Canterbury. Uh, there's about five minutes left in that game. And I'm just going to hit refresh just to make sure it's still 9-0 uh, to New Haven, 6-0 at the break. So it's not been a very good, if it's not been a very good evening uh, for Canterbury. I'm, I'm glad I didn't say to you, Matt, I'm not going to do the podcast now. I'm going to go to New Haven instead because that probably wouldn't have been much fun uh, for the rest of the there, side. there can't be many ties in the FA Cup in the history of the FA Cup with the first game being a replay ended a draw and the replay ended somebody winning by nine goals. No, there can't be. Can I'm happen. thinking probably in the complete history of the FA Cup, um, there couldn't have been. So I don't know. I bet your man at FA Cup fact file would know that. Probably they know. Yeah, maybe. Yes, maybe you could tweet out, and uh, there could be, he might come up with some random fact from 1937. But very well, something's clearly gone wrong for Canterbury there. Good result at the weekend, but um, yes, a, a bit of a demoralising result there. I would have thought for him. The rest of the scaffold sides, though, wasn't to be. Kennington, Irith and Belvedere, Pearson all lost replays on Tuesday night. Uh, of our Ismian South East sides, uh, 7-8, 5 0 winners at Hawley. High Town scored a late goal to beat AFC Vardinians, 1-0. Beckenham won 3-0 at Horsham, YMCA. Faversham, uh, the only of our Ismian League sides to go out as they lost to Collier's Wood. While Sheffield United had an eventful old week as their original game at Athletic Newham was called off due to an appalling-looking pitch in the capital. Uh, the tie was then switched to Sheppey, played on Tuesday night. 
The Hearts had to come from 3-1 down to earn a replay, uh, which will again be at home park next week. Uh, Warren Mafuda scored in stoppage time to keep his side in the cup. Uh, that just leaves with Chatham Town, who headed south on Sunday afternoon to play Little Common. The marvellously named Prince William Domafrai nodded the chats ahead early on against the Southern Combination side. But for all their dominance, they couldn't add a second. And they were made to pay for that after the break when a low free kick went in at the far post. But just as I was starting to think my trip to Bexhill was going to be a complete waste of time, sub Matt Botkin fired in the winner. After the game, I spoke to Chats boss Kevin Hake about the win and the start to their league campaign this weekend. Look, the main thing is you come down. Any away draw in the FA Cup is never going to be easy. Um, they made things hard for us. Um, conceded, you know, sloppy goal. You know, I mean, um, Dan, Dan knows he's made a mistake there. But... Um, yeah, the main thing is we're in the draw for the next round, which we know um, we've got anyway, so that's good. You started really well. You got an early goal. It looked like you were going to really kick on, but they, as you said, they made it hard for you. And they're a really resilient team. I mean, the pitch, without making excuses, was a great leveller. Um, it's difficult sometimes to get the ball down and play our sort of natural passing game you know, on that. But that said, it was the same for both teams. You know, it wasn't a great spectacle of football, but as I say, look, we've got the victory and that's the main thing at this stage of the season. Plenty of positives for you from your players. He's just walked past your right back. I thought was excellent. I thought your man looked a handful when he came on as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, both the guys done done really well. There was some, you know, good stuff. I mean, I think we played better probably football first half than what we did um, like second half. But look, they was always going to come out and have their their fifteen minutes. They didn't really trouble our goal. It was, you know, just a you know shot from or free kick from long range really. That, that I think Dan just slightly misjudged it. You know, if he buys up missions. Well, it seems a bit strange to me that the first game of the season was the FA Cup. It uh, does. But, but you've done it. Uh, you played today. So, did you take advantage yesterday to go and watch the next round, or did you go and watch your league opponents? Yeah, no, we did. Yeah, we we um, we've had um, these screens did um, like scouted, so we took that advantage. You know, obviously, we've not having a game yesterday, so we'll be fully prepared. You know, for the game next Saturday. But yeah, I agree with you. It is a bit different to have having the FA Cup. You know, on the first game. But um, look, I think that look. We know realistically we're not going to win the FA Cup, so the league campaign is what we're going to be going for, and this puts us in a better mindset, I think, for the league. So, those of you who haven't played their first league games, you know, it's um, it puts us at an advantage, I believe, for the league. You say you're not going to win the FA Cup, but it'd be nice to have a run, wouldn't it? It'd be lovely to have a run. It really would be lovely to have a run, and you, and you never know, you know, you've got a few teams at this level who've got to the first round, so look, it's um, your name's in the hat for the next round, that's the main thing, you know, and um, who knows. We can dream. It's Collier's Wood next, isn't it? I Collier's Wood from yesterday. So Collier's Wood, they you know, beat Faversham one um, 0 again. Like we had that scouted as well. So yeah, we'll be fully prepared for that game. That's a tricky little trip though, isn't it? I think it's right into the bowels of London. We've and... had four cup draws, and all four of them have been away at, at the moment. So who knows? But um, look, if you're going to win the FA Cup, you're going to have to go <laughs> and play away from home. So that's life. Um, looking ahead to the league season, obviously optimism is always high at the start. Where, where do you think this team can go this season? I think the team's got the ability to, to challenge. I really do. Um, if they apply themselves um, correctly and believe in themselves, we've got good momentum. We're unbeaten since October. Um, you know, so in, in, the, in the league that is. So um, no, I think the lads believe in themselves. I think the, we've, we've strengthened the squad from last season to this season. And look, we're just going to give it a good go. So, um, there's there's going to be a lot of teams. There's probably only one in ten teams. Maybe you could win the league. So I think it's going to be a lot more open. Not the two horse race that we had last year. You know, and, and you could well see the league uh, one on. You know, losing six or seven games as opposed to sort of losing two games. I don't think the 100 and 102 points will be repeated this year, but who knows? We'll see. I, I think it's an interesting one, isn't it? The, the, this league, especially, it was a bit like you and Sheppey were the big teams last year. Hastings were the big ones. That's right. They've gone. And now, it, again, it just looks like a wide open field. As you say, 10, half a, 10, a dozen teams. Yeah. We'll all be sitting there now thinking, we've got a chance of winning this league. Yeah, I really do. And, and you never know. There could be, there's always that surprise team who no one, you know, thought of. But no, realistically, I think there's, there's 10 or so teams in now. Hopefully we're we're considered to be one of them. And but look, it's a it's a long long season, you know. And um, we'll certainly um, keep grounded with it. Um, we've not been silly, you know, with the, with the with the budgets or anything like that. We're a sustainable club. Um, and look, we're going to look to build on the good things that we've done last season. Start East Grinstead. Obviously, you've had them watched and everything. They're one of those teams you never know what you're going to get with them at the start of the season. No, or, that's right. I suppose an interesting one for you to start in this mini league. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it's just just from our point of view, it's just nice to go to some different places, you know. So it's um, it's good. And then we've got Faversham on the Tuesday night, sort of thereafter. That's our first sort of home game in the in the Eastman South. So no, it's um enjoyable times for all. How important is it to start well? I think it is. I think it is, but we'll we'll be kept grounded. You know, um, you know, I've got a great um, coaching team in in, in Keds and Tim Moffitt and, and the other guys, and 
they're good, they're good guys and they, they keep me grounded. So we're not look, we're not going to get too high over the wins and too low with the losses. I know it's cliche, but that's that's the way we've always operated at the club. Plenty of supporters made the trip down today. And really, honestly, you'll be able to count on them as well throughout the course of the season. Credit to them, and and they've, they've been brilliant. I mean, we, you know, the attendances were up over 700 average last year, which is which is unbelievable for a club of our level. And the good thing is now we're we're. Whereas realistically last year you probably had two or three big games, you know. Now you're going to be looking at 12, 13 big games, you know, which which hopefully will get the Belleville rocking. And also when we go to the away grounds, equally there's going to be some great atmospheres, which was lacking a little bit in the scaffold due to due to attendances of, of um, opposing teams. It's funny, I know you've got big ambitions for this club, but having the fans coming in is, is a big part of it, isn't it? It's massive. That's massive for us. I mean, like, getting laughed at a little bit less, and everyone's going to say it's the age-old football league thing, but look, it's five promotions, we've got one out of five. So, we'll see. It's also five wins to the FA Cup first round proper, so you've got one there out of five as well. Yeah, there we go, mate. Yeah, you never know. You never know. Well, he's on good form there, Matt. Uh, lots to be positive about for the chats ahead of the start of the season. Um, yes. When I saw they, I think you tweeted that they scored early doors and we expected them to get a result there. You thought the way they scored a lot of goals last season that they would have gone on and won the game. Did they miss a, a plethora of chances then, John? Would you say were they the better team and you thought they were going to get punished for it? After about five minutes, I thought they were going to win seven or eight nil. Uh, they, they were just so dumb. And the first half was so dumb. They, they hit the crossbar. They had a couple cleared off the line. They had near misses. The goalkeeper made a couple of really good saves. They absolutely pulverised them. And it was a, it was amazing that it was only 1-0 uh, at half-time. And then after the break, Little Common were much, much better after the break. And they probably deserved their equaliser. I mean, it wasn't the, uh, the the best goal you've ever seen. Dan Ellis will, will not be happy with it, as, as I think Kevin said in that interview. But, you know, it, it they, they were kind of good value for it. And then... Chatham went up a gear again. They brought on a couple of subs and, and they they were again, were just all over them. But it looked like it wasn't going to fall for them and, and the shots weren't going on target in the second half. But eventually some good work on the right-hand side, low ball in, pinged around the box a little bit and Bodkin uh, popped up with a goal, stuck it into the into the, into the the corner, did a little dancing celebration and, and Chatham were through. And and th- they deserved it. They were much better side than uh, than Little Common, but I, I guess the only worry would be that they created a lot and didn't take any of those chances. Well, yeah, I suppose at the end of the uh, most important thing after Sunday was they're going to be in the hat, or they knew who their next round opponents are going to be. Um, yeah, again, he wasn't getting carried away too much throughout the season. I think he's the priority, clearly the league. Um, it is. A, it must be strange when your first game of the season is a cup tie because. Um, you build yourself up to a bit sort of a league game and you've got to, you know, it was a banana skin for them, really. Um, we all expect them to, to win. Um, if they'd have lost, you think, does it put a downer on the season starts? But they've got the result and can look forward to um, an interesting season ahead. And he seems pretty confident that they're going to have a good season as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, he did say they weren't going to win the FA Cup. I mean, disappointing lack of ambition from him, if you ask me <laughs> there. But, but it was, you know, it was it, it was nice to, to to see them. And, you know, I think they've strengthened quite well. They've got some good players in. They played Dan Bradshaw down the middle on his own. Uh, and obviously, he's, he's very effective. But when they brought on Eman, who they signed from Corinthian, he was incredible when he came on. His ball control was, was, was out of this world. And I don't know... I'm not a football manager, but if I was Kevin Haycard, I'd have been looking at that thinking, is there any way I can play them as a two? Because I think that they will cause all sorts of problems for teams. And, and that I'm sure that Eman will lay the ball on a plate for Dan Bradshaw and Bradshaw will be rocketing up the goal scoring table again. Um, you know, but they've got experience. They've got some really good players in there and, and they are well set for a good season. And the other thing, as we said there, the support that they get, that's going to cheer them on. And, and, People may say that they're spending money, but they're doing it sustainably. You know, they are growing the club. It's the same for Sheppey. They are they have got the infrastructure in place to go up the leagues. And they're doing that the, the right way by building the club. You know, they were in the scaffold for a lot longer than anybody thought they were going to be. But last year was obviously when they decided now's the time to go for it. We saw the big crowd that they got when they played Sheppey just after Christmas. The potential at Chatham is is absolutely massive and I think they need to keep going on the crest of a wave 
Um, they need to make sure that they can keep the, the supporters that they've gained from a club up the road from them, who apparently have had a change at the top this week, uh, which I'm sure they can do because people want to see attractive football. And that's what you get from Chatham. You know, that they're, they're, a, they're a, a pleasing on the eye side to watch. And we've seen teams come up from the scaffold and, and challenge before in the Isthmian League South East. And I don't see any reason why Chatham cannot repeat that. I think for Chatham and probably Sheppey, as he said in the interview there, you know, they've gone from having maybe two, three big game season to 12 to 14. So the entertainment will be there. Yeah. You don't score over 100 plus goals if, if you're not a good side. And I'm sure a lot of sides in the Isthmian will be thinking that both Chatham and Sheppey, maybe more Chatham because of the sort of issues that Sheppey have had over the last few weeks or so, they should well be up there. I'll be shocked, John, if they're not in the playoffs, I have to say. Um, uh, I think, as we know, that people probably say there's not much difference. You know, the, the scuff, you know, they would have done very well in the, in the Ryman or the Ispian League last season. Now they've got the opportunity with experienced players, people like Bodkin. I was going to say he was 38, but you told me he was 39. So his experience, um, yeah, it should it should be an interesting season for them. And, I'm definitely thinking they got definitely should be in the playoffs. So with the backing and I'm sure they'll get some really good gates as well. Probably be one of the best supported teams in this division as well now. And as you say, with Hastings going, probably wide open a little bit more. Yeah, Bokken is 39 next month. So yeah. you were right when you he said he was 38, but he's 39. And I, think he's a, I think he's near physical trainer, so he's always going to be fit, isn't he? So a PT instructor or something. So it's his job or, you know, one of these. So always going to be fit. And, well, you know, he's had a decent career, really. He's played for a lot of teams in Kent and... You know, he's always a, a good player on his day and still going as well. He's still got the, the hunger for it, which is good to see. And I, but I think that experience will help them along the way. You know, they've got Dean Beckwith is on the bench. He didn't get on. Obviously, you've got Bodwin, Danny Kedwell's on the coaching staff. But you've also got players that have played a lot of games at this level of football and above who aren't so old. Jack Evans, for example, and, and Fabio Sareva coming in as well, who's a, a vastly experienced player. I mean, that was a... Uh, a great he's the, old, he's, he's, he's the old is he the guy from Woking he used to play yeah, he? yeah yeah that's him yeah 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 yeah. Maidstone as well yeah he's a good player he's a midfielder who'll score a lot of goals as well if you well he played left back he actually played left is back on, uh, on oh right, interesting but yeah he's a goal scoring midfielder in, back in the day and knows that level really well so yeah um, yeah, good sign what they can attract I say off the field allows them to attract some good players at this level so it should be it should be an exciting season for them it should be, and it promises to be another fascinating season across the East Southeast. Twelve of the 20 sides in the division are flying the flag for Kent. So as well as Chatham, Sheffield United and Beckenham Town have also been promoted into the league, both of them getting ready for their maiden Eastman League appearances. As always, there are high hopes at Ashford, Ramsgate and Cray Valley PM. Seven Oaks finished last season well and have recruited superbly. Sittingbourne also made some impressive signings. Hyde, Faversham and VC Athletic all got new managers in the dugout too, so it'll be interesting to see how they all get on. Uh, that's 11 of the 12 mentioned, so let's discuss the other one then. Uh, last year was a great season for Corinthian as they finished eighth in the table. But after a sustained period of success, many of their successful squad were lured away elsewhere, leading friend of the show, Michael Golden, with a pretty big rebuilding job on his hands. I spoke to him after his side's final pre-season friendly, a 2-1 win over young Cray Wanderers outfit on Tuesday, and I started asking him how pre-season had gone. A completely different experience to what we've had over the last few years, to be honest. We, um, we're a completely new side. Um, we've had some good moments, we've had some frustrating moments, but I think on on the whole, I think from what we were left with to where we are now, I think we, we've got reason to be positive. How challenging has it been? I mean, you've lost so many of the players that have been synonymous with everything you've done in the last few years. You've almost had to start from scratch. Yeah, it is. We've, we've kept out there tonight, we had two what I would call senior players. Um, and then we've had a few of the younger boys, the 18, 19 year olds that were with us last year. We've, we've got a few injuries. We've got a couple on holiday, but everyone has at this stage. Um, I've said at times it's been exciting speaking to different types of player that we've just not had to do over the last few years. Um, but I think obviously ultimately what we've got in terms of what the, the club is and the no budget and all those kind of things, like it's been incredibly hard to recruit. Uh, we're happy with what we've got. We're probably still one or two away from, from what we think. I think once we've got the boys back from holiday and injury, we'll be closer to where we want to be. Um, but hopefully you saw tonight, like we're, we're, we're going to be, I think, exciting some weeks. I think we'll be very, very high and very, very low. We're probably not going to be the, the consistent side that we've expected or we've got to know over the last few years. But, but I think there's, there's reason to be optimistic and there's reason, reason to be excited going into the season. 
And you're not going to be done with your squad building, are you? Because there's going to be people filtering down and I guess you're going to kind of keep your wits about you for the next few weeks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at us tonight, we've brought on five trialists in the second half and we're, we're four days away from the season starting and still looking at trialists. So there'll be teams, there'll be players that don't get into squads. Hive, for example, in their FA Cup game had, se- or had seven on the bench. They're only going to be able to name five so people are already going to be out of squads and, and will be the same and and it will just be that filtering down system and I think that will be one of the differences for us this year is that where we've been set and we've been settled the whole way, whole way through the season last year we only signed three players the whole season I think this year it will probably be a little bit different in terms of chopping and changing maybe a little bit more than what we're expecting or what we're used to um, and it's just again still about finding the right players and, and the right characters to come in and, and improve what we're trying to do I've just been speaking to Sam Wood and he said part of what they've done this summer is they've bonded really quickly. And I guess you've never had to really deal with that before because you, these players that you had had all come through together, they all knew each other. How have you found that sort of side of things? Yeah, so we gave the boys Saturday off. Um, we didn't have a friendly on Saturday, so they could go out. We trained in the morning, we worked hard, and they had a Saturday afternoon off to go out and do whatever they needed to do. And we try and give them that last Saturday off. So whether it's seeing wives, girlfriends, families, or hopefully bonding as a team, and the boys had to, had some good time. But I think that's the important thing. And when you look at the, the relative success we've had over the last few years, years it was all built on that team bonding and the boys that all their friends and Oscar said it a few times that they're, they're friends that happen to be good at football and what what you had with that side was probably quite unique so we've got to try and recreate as much as we can of that knowing that we're not going to be able to create the same model so we have to be a slightly different side this year. Has it been the most challenging few months of your fairly young <laughs> managerial career? Yeah absolutely um, you obviously always have your challenges, but I think when you put them in, into perspective of what, what this summer's been, um, I remember turning up to the first pre-season training session with Paul and just standing around going, well, is anyone going to turn up? Um, just not knowing whether you're going to have one player, 10 players and, or 25. I think we had 25 players for the first session. And, and that, that's probably been the unsettling thing in pre-season is that we've had so many numbers coming through the door to look at whether it's one session or one game or two sessions so it's it's been good in a way that we've seen lots and lots of different players and we've tried to work out what we want and what's going to be the right fit for us but we've had so many so so many players that we've had to try and look at over a, a relatively short period of time but yes yeah, it's, it's definitely been the most challenging i guess it's one of these things like you last year you kind of changed the way you played um, you change your shape, you change, and you, you kind of change your attitude a little bit. Yep. I guess it's easier to do that with a, a settled squad than it is to get people in who don't know each other and make them play in that sort of fashion. Yeah, like I said earlier, it, it, we want to be that same Corinthian side that we, we evolved into last year. And I think we're a better club and a better team for what we evolved into. Um, and it's about us now taking the good bits from what we were and now using what we've created with a much younger squad. You look at the average age of the squad on Saturday, I think it's going to be 22 as an average age, which is ridiculous. The captain's 23. Like, we're, we're, we're such a young squad. So, so what you're going to have is the naivety, but you also get no fear from kids. Like, so like I said, I think sometimes we're going to be very, very high and I think they're going to be very exciting to watch. And I think other times we're probably not going to hit the heights that we did last year on a more consistent basis. But yeah, we've certainly got to try and, and build on what we want to do. And, and every single year you want to build and you want to improve on what you've done. Um, but it's now about just making sure that the youngsters understand or the younger players now understand what, what the Corinthian ethos is and what it means to play for this club whilst adding our own new stamp on it. Is it something this pre-season that I don't think I've ever seen anyone do before? You've played all your games at home. What, what was the thinking behind that and, and do you feel you're better for that? Yeah, I think it was with a new side. So we predominantly play a lot of pre-season, pre-season friendlies at home. Um, occasionally we have one or two away. What we probably missed out on this year is probably a longer away trip. I probably wish I'd, if with a whole new side had added that longer away trip out on the bus, bit of team bonding. I think we probably missed out on that. But I think it's important that for the new boys that they got to know how the pitch plays and how we want to play because realistically we need to pick up the majority of our points at home and then see what we can pick up away from home. So it, it, was, a, it was a conscious effort. Um, probably wouldn't have had it as hard if I knew it was going to be a complete rebuild. But I think it's been good and I'd rather have played the step three sides and, and the teams that we've had. I mean, we drew one all with Ebsfleet and it was probably our best performance of the whole pre-season. And we've played step five sides and like deal we drew three all with. And obviously they're one of the big hitters now in the division. Um, but so we've probably got to take credit from a three all draw with a big side like that. Um, but yeah, we probably missed out on that away friendly. But hopefully now we we now would go into the first game of the season at home. We've got an FA Cup fixture at home and we can then hopefully look to progress and get some points on the board early. Yeah, there's a man in the deal area who's just completed his golden bingo card. <laughs> um, but 
you said about your first game season at home, it's Hyde. You played Hyde on the opening day last year as well. Yeah. I know you went to watch them at the weekend. It, it, I guess they're in a similar situation to you in that they've got a lot of new players there. Yeah, no, they, they looked good on Saturday. They Obviously, Steve Watt's gone back in there. They've got some got some experience and they've got a few younger players. Um, and I think they'll be exciting to watch this year and I think they'll, they'll upset a few sides. Um, I think what what we've got to do is obviously be prepared as much as we can and we'll go through some bits and pieces that we've noticed on Saturday uh, and we'll go through those on Thursday night. But but yeah, we'll, we'll be as organised as we can and we pride ourselves on doing our research and, and we go and watch teams and, and same as we've, we've gone out to watch the FA Cup game, so we'll be prepared for Guildford. Um, but yeah, I think Saturday, I think it'll be an open game. I think whereas last year we kept lots of clean sheets and, and we pri- we only conceded 39 league goals, I think it's probably going to be a little bit more of an open side this year. Um, and we've just obviously got to try and make sure we're on the right side of the balance. What's the aim? What, what will be a successful season? I mean, the aim is always for me is to improve on what we did. So eighth last year, we want to improve on that. I will always set the players the task or the objective of getting into the playoffs. We, we want to get out of the division. Um, now, I'm not stupid. I realise that that's going to be incredibly hard this year. You've got Seven Oaks down the road, the new side, Sheppies and Chathams. Like, they, they should all be aiming for those playoffs, if not higher. Um, I think us... I think me being competitive in this division with this side is probably the most important thing. So I don't think we'll be down the bottom end and I certainly think we're going to have enough to, to be competitive and, and to avoid that. Whether we will hit the heights which we did last year it remains to be seen. But yes, yeah, so I think just being competitive week in, week out and, and trying to find that level of consistency with the players will hopefully give us, give us a, a platform that we can build on and go and play. A challenge like he's never really had before, Matt. They played well on Tuesday night, I thought, but... It sounds like the second season at this level may be a completely different experience for Michael Golding and Corinthian. Yeah, I think, as you said, losing players, he's going to Chatham. Um, I think with the with the new, the no budget, and players' successful season they had, really good end to the season they had, that clubs who can pay money will look to pick players. And I'm sure Michael Golding, you know, of course, he's disappointed he lost players, but I think he'll be just as proud that players are going on to maybe better things are sides you could get promoted but the nature of the beast but I'm sure some part of him thinks about building a team is probably what he enjoys the most if he can get players again to go on he's got a good chance to be successful we're not you know what do we expect them to do last season they probably um, did better than we thought they would this season could be a, a bit more difficult couldn't it so um, but He's always up for the challenge. He will be, they'll be organised and they'll know about the opposition. It's just that if they've got enough quality, has he managed to bring the players in? Only the price, price to see how they get on the season. But yeah, he didn't seem too downbeat in that interview, John. But, he, but John, I know you speak to him quite a bit. It has been a difficult off-season for him, hasn't it? It has. And the, the thing for him is, is it's always the difficulty of... <sighs> When you don't have a budget, as as he doesn't, um, you can get a certain type of player easier than you can the other. And my first impressions were of, I mean, last night's team, as you said there, there were two of the squad from last year were in the team. Um, they're going to be a young team. The players I was impressed with were his centre-backs. I thought the, the two new centre-backs that he got in both looked very solid. And for some reason, it's easier to get centre-backs in than it is strikers. And everyone's looking for a striker. Everyone's looking for someone up front who's going to score them 15, 20 goals a season. And that's not just teams, you know, that's teams who can play big money because the strikers are always the hardest thing to get. And I think that's where where his concerns kind of lie. And and he has kind of said to me before, you know, I've got a lot of players who can create stuff, but I just worry who's going to finish it off. And he, he said, to, you know, we had a, a long conversation off the record as well. And he said, you know, he's lost some players who possibly he would have loved to have kept. But they part of what they had when they played for Corinthian was they were playing with all their mates. And when you're turning up to play football with your mates, it's, it's a completely different kettle of fish to turning yeah. up with a bunch of strangers. And I know he certainly yeah. had a couple of players who left and they haven't gone anywhere else. But he was like, I kind of get it because why would you why would you carry on playing when you don't know anyone? Where, where before they had that massive sort of social side of everything as well. And I think, that's where it's going to be really difficult for them over the course of the season is that they, they aren't the, the, the team that he's got now is not going to have that same mentality of we're all in this together. We've been playing together for years and that's where it's going to be difficult. 
yeah but again that's for him to build that relationship with the new players forge that um team bonding and I think you've still got Paul Sawyer there you know very experienced coach as well <laughs> it, it's a challenge for him there's absolutely no doubt I I don't think that I think they're going to be okay I don't think if they if they can emulate what they did last season it'll be a fantastic achievement probably better than what they did last season with the team but we'll have to see how it goes but they just have to skills as a manager skills as a school teacher probably comes to the fore here isn't it how to bring teams up but yeah um, bringing teams on building teams and some part of me probably he revels in that and um if he can pick up a few rough diamonds and get the, get the club going well see how it goes it, you know it could be a tricky early start to the season as he bends these players in he's got to keep the faith and um you know without a budget at this level it's a fantastic achievement if they can stay there i think the big thing for him is he he's keen to start well you know they've got high this weekend and that'll probably be a game that he's looking at thinking we've got a chance of winning that one. Then they go to Beckenham, that, that's going to be a tough one. Then they've got the FA Cup, that's going to be a, a big thing for them as well. So the hard thing is, is they want to hit the ground running and they haven't got any of the really strong teams that everybody's tipping in the first three or four fixtures. But then after that, it's going to be difficult. And and yeah. the, 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 the thing is, is if they're in a bad run of form, then people he's trying to attract players that's going to be harder than if they're in a good run for. If, they, if they're fourth or fifth, then all of a sudden players are going to be looking, thinking, well, I could, I could get involved here. I could go and yeah, yeah. make something happen. But if it's just going to be a relegation battle, it's a lot harder to motivate yeah, yourself and yeah, go and, yeah. and want to get involved for, 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 for the love of football, isn't it? Yeah, but I, I think that's his job. I think it's probably his man management skills is, is what he's what they've got the club to achieve. Um, probably, yeah, he's, he's going to have to use all his experience and Wales over the last few seasons um, to get the best out of his squad. But I'm sure he's up for the challenge and he sounded like he's up for the challenge. So we'll, we'll be keeping an eye out for him there, John. And again, anybody who they can attract who doesn't want to get paid at this level or hasn't got, no, no, he's not getting paid, um, you have to admire that as well because I'm sure there's a lot of sides in this division who are more than willing to pay them a, a couple of hundred quid or, or even more. Exactly. The opening day fixtures in that division then Ashford travel to Burgess Hills. We've already heard Corinthian against Hythe, Chatham go to East Grinstead, uh, Faversham at home to newly promoted Littlehampton, Beckham's first Isthmian League game is at Lansing, Ramsgate host Cray Valley, Seven Oaks start home to Three Bridges, it's Sheppey United against Chichester, VCD host Hayward Teeth and Sittingbourne travel to Whitehawk. Uh, almost a full programme on Tuesday night as well, Ashford at home to Seven Oaks, Beckham meet Corinthian, Chatham at home to Faversham. Cray Valley host East Grinstead, Sittingbourne meet Ramsgate and VCD go to Three Bridges. Sheppey's trip to Hythe called off uh, due to the Ites FA Cup replay. We, we've discussed a few of the teams in there, Matt, but who do you think are the team to beat in that league this season? Well, I have to say Ramsgate against Cray sounds a good game on Saturday, doesn't it, as well? Um, I think Ramsgate, Steve Lovell, very experienced. I think they will be... Ramsgate really blew up, didn't they, at the end of last season? Got rid of the manager and Steve Lovell couldn't get them in there. Um, again, Tommy Warlow's Ashford uh, missing out on the playoff. They want to go one more. You, I, I think a Kent side should win that division, John. I really do. Um, don't know about Beckenham. Good season last year. How will they get on as well? So, um, And Seven Oaks. Seven Oaks, back in the last season, they were the form team from about um February onwards, weren't they? So and they've had a really good pre-season as well. So yeah, some 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 decent sides in that. Again, I think like everything in this league, you need to get off to a good start. Um in a very competitive Kent again, every other week you'd be playing a Kent Derby, which can be, you know, the players will know each other and everybody's up for it. So an interesting league this time. We, we everybody sort of Hastings been knocking on the door the last few seasons, haven't they? Is there an out and out favourite? I don't know if there's any odds for these. I presume Ashford probably would be the favourite because they missed out on the playoffs. But um, I think a number of clubs think that they could do well this season. I think my tip for the top is uh, is Seven Oaks, actually. I think they're going to have yep. a good season with Harry Hudson at the helm. Yeah. Uh, from an outside of Kent, I expect Hayward Teeth to be up there. Uh, Whitehawk, I'm, I was expecting to do well, but they are currently about to go into extra time against K-Sports, uh, really struggling with that one. Um, so they've not had a great start to the season, but I think they've got an experienced manager and they've got a big budget. Who's the manager so they'll Whitehawk be up now? there. Sorry? Who's the manager of Whitehawk? Uh, Saunders, the guy who used to be at Hayward Teeth. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Well, Whitehawk um, have been, you know, probably seasoned. Were they in the Conference South Playoffs, I think, under Steve King, weren't they? So, yeah, they were. So yeah, so, got, yeah. They, 
they've got the back in, they, they've got the potential. So yeah. uh, they'll be tight. And Littlehampton will be a threat as well. But I, I think a lot of our Kent teams are going to go well. I think uh, Sittingbourne have, have strengthened yeah. really well. You mentioned Ramsgate and Cray Valley there as well. Chatham, we've already discussed. Um, Nick Davis at Sittingbourne, when he started, when we first started this pod, that first season, that Sittingbourne, you know, he was the manager and they were riding sky high for up to about Christmas, don't they? So, um, yeah, good experienced manager. He'll know this level. Um, Sittingbourne, always a, a well-run club and friendly club. And I'm sure Nick Davis, you know, probably disappointed how it ended last time. We'll be definitely trying to improve that this time. Yes, absolutely. Well, none of our four Mini Premier sides have played competitively yet this season, but that will all change this weekend. Folks in Victor, who have just announced the re-signing of striker Ira Jackson, begin at Enfield, while Margate hosts Kinstonian. Herne Bay have to wait until Sunday for their Step 3 bow as they travel to Potter's Bar. For on Tuesday, oh, Ben Smith's Sunday? side... I, I, well, I think, I think they've had to move it because obviously they've had to switch it because they um, their pitch, I'm assuming, isn't ready. Um, okay. So... There must be some other uh, uh, something else going on at Potter's Bar Stadium, yeah. so they've had to play on Sunday. Right, okay. uh, Tuesday night, Ben Smith's side go to Haringey, Margate at Bowers and Pitsy, and Invicta are at home to Hastings. I haven't mentioned Craig Wanderers yet. They start at Billericay on Saturday for a Wednesday night visit for them from Bognor Regis. And that's because we're about to hear from a Wanderers legend. Sam Wood was in the dugout with the young side at Corinthian on Tuesday night on his 36th birthday, no less. And after the game, I spoke to him about that game and the start of the new campaign. Well, there was all youngsters except from three, I think. Um, yeah, we had a couple of trialists in there, but a lot of them are from the academy. And um, it was a great run out for them tonight. And, uh, and obviously, with us uh, going forward as a club and with the new stadium and stuff like that, it was good to see them out there in a, in a men's environment. And uh, they played so well. I'm really proud of them, to be fair. And uh, we've got a lot to come in the future. Obviously, as a man who was at Cray Wanderers as a youngster yourself, you know what it's all about coming through. Yeah, no, definitely. Obviously, we didn't have academies back then. I was thrown in at the, in the deep end at 15, 16 in men's football. So, no, no, it was great for them to, uh, obviously, I think they enjoyed it and they played really well. And, uh, yeah, it's obviously, it was uh, nice to, uh, obviously, after 20 years uh, myself, um, I think it's 20 years to the day, Sam Wright signed me. So, um, no, it was nice to uh, be out there today and, and obviously help the lads. And, and what's it like for you seeing all these young lads coming through? Well, it's fantastic to see, obviously. Um, like I say, things have changed now with academies and stuff like that. So hopefully we can produce some good ones. And it's, uh, it's good to see, especially for the club. Uh, obviously, we're moving forward and obviously we're trying to move forward with the academies and things like that. So it's going to be uh, exciting times ahead. Exciting time, obviously, Saturday as the, as the season starts, uh, away to Billericay. A tough start for you, I, I guess. Yeah, no, of course, obviously, they've, they've just come down. Um, so they're going to be a good side and I think they've kept a few of their players. So, But we've obviously, we're a new team. Uh, we're still gelling. Uh, might take a bit of time, but we're ready. Um, but obviously, they're going to be they're going to be a good side. It's going to be a tough league and... Uh, and uh, the gaffer, you know what he's like. Everyone knows what he's like in football. So he'll, he'll make sure we're ready and um, and we're looking forward to it. After a difficult season last year, stability is key, isn't it? I mean, you used how many players last year and everything like that. But to be able to get out there and obviously Neil's going to set his stall out, you're going to be hard to beat, I'd imagine. And that's the most important thing. Yeah, of course. Obviously, I come late on. I come at end of February. So, and there was a turnover. I think it's like 67 players, which is not is no good for any club. Um, but obviously... They've got uh, Neil Smith in and he's going to pull it all in and pull it all together as he does and what he's done over the years, he's been successful and that's what the plan is with him. Um, obviously, I spoke to um, CEOs and stuff like that, he's here for the long term, so um, it's going to be good and exciting for the club and I think, like you say, everyone knows, kind of knows how Neil Smith, we are hard to beat and we're hard working and that's the main main thing you need uh, when you go out there. And as long as we're all working together and helping each other, I think we're going to have a good, successful season. Obviously important to start well because the game's come thick and fast and you've got another one on Wednesday next week as well. So you've got to get the momentum early doors. Yeah, no, of course. That's what pre-season's for. We've had a lot of games, so obviously we're still gelling and... Uh, the boys have had a few more training sessions this week and, and that's what we've been working on. Um, so it's been fantastic and like you say, the, the game's come thick and fast. So uh, we go Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. So there's nine points straight away. But no, the boys are looking forward to it. We're up for it and uh, we're buzzing. We've got a good bunch. So um, so I'm looking forward to it. We had a little trip away as well to Jersey and it was great for team bonding. So even off the pitch, we're gelling 
really well and obviously if we can get that onto the pitch I think it's going to be good for us. That's the important thing is that when you are a new team a lot of players who've come in you've got to be good off the pitch as well as on it and, and going away to Jersey can only have helped you with that. Oh definitely and obviously me being with Cray years ago they love uh, going on tour and stuff the team bonding they've done it for all their years with the owner Gary Hillman he loves he loves that team and being with the team and I think it just bodes well going through the owner being there, the CEO, Sam Wright, and everyone being together. There's no distance between them. And I think they that's what they love. And, and it encourages and it can only bode well. We're all together. So that's, and that's what, as long as we're all pulling together in the same direction, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this season. And you personally, just a lovely chorus of happy birthday from the dressing room. <laughs> uh, 36, still got the passion to, to keep going? Yeah, no, I, I love it. I love it. Um, I did think about calling it, but no, obviously, we've... Um, Dropping, oh, dropping down to Cray and and seeing what's going on and and with obviously how I played back end of the season for the team and I, f- I feel still I had a lot to give and uh, obviously I think the club still feel that way as well. Uh, so obviously been offered a, n- a new deal here so and I've grabbed it with both hands. Um, don't, like I said, I go way back with Cray. I even, I even work for the chairman now. I'm good friends with his sons. Uh, Sam Wright, the CEO, we're good fr- I'm good friends with everyone and uh, it means more than football to me, this club. Um, so I'll give everything I've got it, off the pitch, my experience in the dressing room and on the pitch and as long as I'm fit enough and my legs are able to move, I'll, uh, I'll be out there trying to push us all the way. You say dropping down, I suppose it's maybe the football's a little bit tiny, li- li- less intense, but I guess also it's less travelling and everything like that so you can spend a bit more time away from football? Oh, definitely. Um, obviously, when I was at Dover, travelling to Dover itself in the National League and you're tra- travelling all over the country and, uh, like you say, come to Cray, it's all a lot more local. Obviously, the rest and recovery is uh, obviously is a little bit more as well, which I need at my age. And, and Neil Smith knows that. He said, like, I can not pick and choose my training sessions, but obviously when I need the recovery, I'll, I probably won't train. I'll just do light sessions um, instead of being intense, but We'll just manage it, and he, he, he's been there and done that. He's played uh, a later age in his career, so he knows how to manage uh, the experienced players, and I think he's going to do that with me, and, and I'm looking forward to it. And, yeah, it's nice being lapped back local and playing for my local club and, and the way it's going forward. What's a realistic aim for this season? What are you saying in the dressing room? What, what can you do this season? Yeah, we want to push. We want to push. Uh, we, obviously, everyone goes, oh, we want to do this, want to do that. But, yeah, no, as long as we can't have what we had last season, I don't think we will. So, if we can get in the top half and uh, go from there, I think it'd be, it'd be a fantastic achievement. I enjoyed that one, Matt. It's always good to have a man with the club in his heart in your ranks, isn't it? Yeah, Sam, he's had a, a very good career, hasn't he? He started at Cray, I think he was 16, as he said in there. Went to Bromley, successful, had a good, decent league career. Um, come back to the club he loves. Um, yeah, I, I, I think he did quite well when he, when he left over last season. I think I think he admitted there he was struggling with the travelling, travelling all over the country. He, he, he was in a, quite a fast-paced division. He, he, was, he was struggling to be with the pace of the game. But at that level, he, he's, he's excellent at a set-piece. His experience, I'm sure Neil Smith will, will use him wisely, that he could be a, a key player for Craig. We, again, this time last year, we were probably tipping Craig to have a very good season, weren't we? And they managed to survive relegation on the on the last weekend of the season, wasn't it? So, under Neil Smith, kept a majority of the squad, brought in players that he knows, and key players like um, Sam Wood uh, will be very important for them. And it seems to be a bit of a buzz about the place. If they can get the ground going... And everything's there. They've got a good academy with good youngsters. Um, they could have a good, they have a decent season. And probably the X factor is they've got Neil Smith, who, you know, I'm sure every player who's ever played under Neil Smith would probably want to run through brick walls for him because he's that sort of manager, I think. Yeah, that that is the X factor. And, and Sam said there, didn't he? So I've spoken to the board, and, the, and he's here for the for the long term. And I really like the fact that he was there actually with the youngsters last night because he's been in that situation. I did say, didn't he? That well, there was no academies when I was coming through. I was just chucked yep. into men's football and stuff. But it, it, having him there, that's only going to help the young players that they've got at Cray Wanderers already because they're going to see that there is an opportunity. And, and Sam has had a really, really good career. And, and I kind of love the fact that he's now given it back by coming in to to, to finish his career at the club that he's, where it all started for him. Yeah, I think he's that kind of character who likes to give something back. I know Tyrone Sterling, I think he, he runs the 
David Player, he runs the sort of very heavily involved in the academy, and they've got a really good academy there. Sam Wood is a always, and he was at David, he was very good in the dressing room, he was captain, but he's always put willing to put a young, an arm around the young players and work with them. And I think that's what absolutely key is. You know, it's all very nice. He's worked his way from the top, from the bottom to the, you know, to for a very successful football league career. So, uh, delight for him, and he's still got the hunger. And at that level, there won't be any better. As I say, with a corner or a free kick, he can whip it in. He's got a wonderful effort, and he bagged a few goals at the beginning of the season. If you play him further forward, he can be a threat. So, yeah, really, really looking forward to see how Craig got on because they wanted to forget last season, but they managed to survive, um, and they can go again. Difficult opening game against Billericay, but we'll see how they get on there. But again, it might take a few few weeks for the team to bed in, but I'm sure they'll be okay this season. I think it was hard for Cray last season because obviously Tony Russell was such a hard act to follow. He took all of his squad with him. But as Sam said there, 67 players that yeah. they went through last year. And that's that's not sustainable and that's not how you're successful. But you know, they've got that key, they've got that core of players in their squad at the moment that they know are going to be there for most of the season. They're going to help them through and push them along the way. And I think that's the massive, uh, that's the kind of massive crucial thing, isn't it? That they know that it's going to be a settled team and and it won't just be like, oh, who's turned up this week to play? It's going to be, they're going to be solid. They're going to be hard to beat. So, and and if you start from the back and, and, and you make yourself tough to beat, then there's no reason why you can't go on to have a really good season. And, and I'm sure, you know, I think, them and focusing of our four teams in that division will be looking certainly at being in the playoffs at absolute bare minimum, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I, Neil Smith won't go there to to, to to be second best, I'm sure. Um, he's kept, you know, he got Tim O'Shea back with him, his coach who's worked with before, Anthony Cook still playing. So, yeah, they've got a good basis of a good squad. Um, so, I'm sure I'm sure they'll be fine. And Folkestone as well, bringing Ira Jackson back. They've lost the goals. Did you see Dave Smith? Okay, now, if you're a Folkestone fan, you'd be a bit miffed that um, um, changing the subject a little bit. That Dave Smith signed for Bromley, and they've been, now he's on loan to Hornchurch till Christmas, isn't it? So, from a Folkestone point of view, they might have. I don't know if they got a fee for Dave Smith. Really disappointing that he's gone to a club in. They'll come up against a real strange one that for Bromley. I thought they might. It have is, and I talk. have seen you say some folks and people will be miffed, but I've actually seen some Bromley fans a bit miffed by it. So, I mean, what was the point in going out and signing him to just loan him back to two levels? I mean, I don't understand why he's gone two levels below. Why not give him if he was going to go out on loan? Surely National League South was a place for him to go. Um, you know, very shame, but folks that's a coup for them to get Ira back, isn't it? I mean, yeah. we've had him on the show several times. He left Folkestone in 2020, went to Grimsby, played in the Football League, scored a few goals for them. Then he was at Wealdstone last year, scored some goals. And now he's been tempted to drop back to the Isthmian Premier. And I'm sure he will score a lot of goals this season. Yeah, I was led to believe I think Tunbridge were, look, were talking to him earlier in the season. I couldn't agree something with him. But maybe some clubs are just certain fits for Ira Jackson. So very popular member of um, with the supporters. Yeah, you would have thought coming into his peak, the experience he's learned in the Football League and uh, Wildstone. He, he was, when I saw him against Dover, he was pretty, you know, he had, he had his played with his head down when I saw him against Wildstone against Dover. But I think, you know, if he can get focused, um, he is a 20-goal striker for them. They've lost one in Dave Smith, but Neil Cugley, clever as ever, um, maybe he's got one in there to replace him. Bromley's National League campaign began with a topsy-turvy loss at Wealdstone on Saturday. Uh, what made Stonehill to a 1-1 draw at Altrincham. Both those teams are home on Saturday and Tuesday this week. Bromley meet Altrincham themselves on Saturday and Torquay on Tuesday, just the 207 miles, that trip for the goals. Uh, While well, Maidstone hosts two of their fellow promoted sides, they're at home to York on Saturday, Dorking Wanderers on Tuesday night. And I guess, Matt, it's important for them to get some more points on the board with those two games. Yeah, I think it's a decent result though, at Altrincham for them. Uh, one up last 30 minutes. Um, Keeping it uh, down to ten men, I think that's a decent one. Because all them are, you know, a good template of a, a national league side. Now they've gone full time. Um, Both their luck a little bit. I think Maidstone could have won it at the end, but that's a decent performance. Dorking had a good result themselves at the weekend um, against Chesterfield. Um, through sort of two players sent off. <laughs> yeah, I think York again. It's a couple of difficult games for Maidstone. I think the most important thing is I think they've won ridiculous amount of home games on the spin, haven't they? So, you know, they'll, they'll turn up at the home ground expecting to win. 
might be quite difficult against York and against Dorking, but they'll know what they're going to come up against. And, and I'm sure if they can pick up one win out of those two, they'll be happy. Is, is part of it uh, that there's expectation? Because obviously they beat Dorking to the title last season. So people will be looking at that and expecting Maidstone to win that game. They'll be looking at it thinking, well, York won the playoffs as well. Maidstone should be beating them. In some ways, that's a really nice start to have those two. But would it be better to have a couple of teams where there's not going to be the expectation to win? You know, would it be nicer to have Notts County as your first home game or, or a Wrexham? Um, we're going to play everybody eventually. Uh, I, I, it's, it, it's nice ones. I, don't think, I wouldn't have thought the, the standard um, Maystone United supporter knows it's going to be a tough division. But probably on paper, if you're thinking, are we going to get home results against Dorking and York? I think Dorking beat them twice last season. So... They're going to have to do something they didn't do last season, beating them. And York have got a bit of a, a decent manager as well. So if they lose those back, those two, you're going to be concerned a little bit. But I think they've got enough. Have they got enough goals? That's my only concern for Maidstone. Have they got that X-factor striker that you might need to get you some games? I like Jack Barham. Um, has, he's had his chances in the National League before. Hasn't scored a goal. People like Alabi. Um, can do it. That's my only concern with Maidstone. Defensively, I think they'll be okay. But have they got enough goals in them? All of our National League South teams unbeaten after the first round of fixtures. The standout result, Tunbridge Angels 3-1 win away at Weymouth, uh, while Ebbsfleet and Dartford both started strongly as well. 3-0 home win over Chippenham and a 2-0 away win at Bath, respectively. Uh, Wedding United drew 0-0 at one newly promoted side as they faced Taunton, while Dover confounded many pre-season predictions by not losing at Worthing. Uh, did you enjoy the 1-1 draw down on the South Coast, Matt? Yeah, it was a decent game. Uh, I had, while I drove down, I... I said I was speaking to my nephew, and he basically said that I, I made Worthing sound like Real Madrid. I got himself such a tears we were going to get absolutely tonked. Um, but yeah, Worthing Worthing has some good players. You know my feelings. Worthing wanted the ball a lot. I think they had double amount of passes that Dover did. Um, and you know there's no long balls. They played it out. Dover grew into the game after five minutes. You thought, oh, here we go again. When Jake Robinson scored a decent finish from Jake Robinson, as you would expect. Um, yeah, Dover, at least, yeah, Dover, I was pleasantly surprised. No, I was so pleasant. No, I was pleased, not pleasantly surprised, that Dover got got something out of the game. And I don't know, we'll know how good Worthing are this weekend when they play Welling. I expect probably Welling to have a better season than Dover with the players they've got. So if, if Welling put Worthing to the sword, then we'll know they could be a difficult season. But in August, I think that's a good point because Worthing, I thought, would particularly on the home patch, will be a difficult side to beat. Yeah, two games each for all of our teams in that division as well. Dartford at home to Chesson on Saturday, then a big old game as they place, place Havens Waterlooville on Tuesday night. Uh, Dover at home to Hungerford and then Tunbridge Angels. Welling take on Worthing on Saturday, as Matt has just said, and then they're at home to Chesson on Tuesday. Ebbsfleet's away days are at Weymouth on Saturday. And then, oh, hello, Eastbourne Borough on Tuesday night, uh, while Tom Angels are at Sloughtown on Saturday before their visit to Crabble on Tuesday night. Uh, you're not going to be there for that game on Tuesday night, are you? Well, on Saturday, no, because I'm, I'm away no. for a few days now. So, um, again, not, from what I gather about Hungerford, they like the dark hearts, when people say, which I'm fully on board with in this National League. <laughs> so, um, uh, on that, so... Yeah, what David need to do is follow that up against the point against Worthing, hopefully with three against Hungerford. Um, and then it'll be an interesting game against Tunbridge on um, on Tuesday. Will you be going to Ebsley, Eastbourne v Ebsley, or are you working next week? Uh, I, I haven't got anything on at the moment. So as things stand, it does look like it's a possibility. So I wasn't, I didn't, it kind of came up on me. I didn't realise until I was looking at the fixtures that it's this soon. I know that Welling are here uh, next month, obviously Dover are here next month. Exactly, yeah. Um, so, you know, but yeah, I'm hoping to get along there on Tuesday night. So, but Ebsley had a good result, yeah. Uh, yeah. Clinical. Yeah, Ebsley, have have Dartford against Haven will be interesting on Tuesday night as well. Um, Haven, I think, have about 17 strikers. I really do, you know, got, you know, players who've got goals, goals, goals all over. I think they, they've got Pryor and they've got the guy from Enfield who got about 40 goals last season as well, and Danny Wright. So, You'd have thought on paper that that'd be a big game, but a good result for Dartford against Bath. I, I, you mentioned Tunbridge winning at Weymouth. I think that's a good result, but maybe Dartford Fantastic. winning at Bath is is a, is on a par with that because you know Bath 
have brought some decent players in this season and that's a good result down there on um, Alan Dowson's first game. So I think, yeah, I'd say both results were um, as good as each other, Dartford and, and Tunbridge as well. And Tunbridge, you know, this time next week, after their um, um, three away games, John, they could be sitting on nine points. So you never know. Well, I think, speaking of what Jay Saunders last week, I think one win out of those three, he'd have been happy with. So um, he's got that out of the way pretty early doors. But again, we don't know how good Weymouth are. See how Ebsley got on against them this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's finally the Scaffold Division 1 kicks off on Saturday as well. Uh, Faverton Strike Force grabbed a last-minute level in front of 216 people at AFC Whiteleaf. Uh, Kent Football United lost 2-0 at Croydon. Greenways do 2-2 with Bermondsey Town. Larkfield and New Hythe beat Meridian VP 1-0. Lidtown came from behind with a pair of late goals as they beat Tooton Beck. Uh, Rochester United beat SC Thamesmead 2-0. Snodland came back from a goal behind to lead 4-1 at the break on their way to beating FC Elmstead 5-2. And Brydon Ropes won 3-1 at Staplehurst Monarchs. There are full programmes in both Scaffold Divisions this weekend and next midweek. You can see all those fixtures uh, on the Scaffold website. But I picked a couple of the standout ones. Uh, Saturday, Richard Stiles returns to Tunbridge Wells with Whitstable. Uh, and then on Wednesday night, we've got a clash of two very fancied sides uh, Phoenix Sports at home to Glee. That's an, a big game early doors. And as I say, all of those fixtures are available on the Scaffold website. So yeah, if, you, if you're in the market for a game of football in the next uh, week, there's plenty of options. Uh, mm, I'm sure you'll yeah. be able to find something to amuse yourself uh, over the week. Now, normally at this time, Matt, we'd start talking about TV and stuff. But uh, the question that I want to ask you this week is football related. Yep. And I'm just going to pose this to you and I'm going to pose it to any listener as well. Get in touch with us on Twitter, at Kinnitinal Podcast, Facebook. How many goals do you think Cristiano Ronaldo would score in the Isthmian League Southeast? Um, to me, he's a bit of a fancy Dan, mate. So I, don't think, I, I, I would get my centre-half to kick him up in the air in the very first minute. Um, you're probably thinking he would, if he passed... You're thinking he's going to do it on his own, or Matt Bodkin's going to put it across the air and he's him to nod it in. Players like that. Um, I'm thinking he score 35. Um, see, I reckon he gets way more than that. I, I reckon he's not far off three figures because really, well, it would just be unplayable, and it it would help the other. T- it would help the rest of his team. His team would win the league because they'd, they'd all be doubling, tripling up on him. But I just <laughs> think you know, I've. I've Basically, how this how this came about was obviously there's a lot of speculation about his future at the moment, and uh, I Which saw a tweet. For him. Well, no, I saw a tweet that says um, that said Corinthians eyeing Ronaldo move. So obviously, I sent that tweet to uh, a, a friend of the show, and I said, "Oh, good luck with this one." He said, "Well, we're hopeful, you know, just taking the joke." And he said to me, he "Reckons that in his team, he'd score 75 in a season." And I look really? at it. Well, but the way you got to look at it is like Messi. Lewandowski, look at the goals they've scored in the top flights in Germany, Spain. Ronaldo is as good as either yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah. So uh, against, there, is, there is an against, era of players score a goal per game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He would again, probably just glide past people, wouldn't he? Exactly. And I reckon he'd easily score a hat trick every week as long as he was up for it. So I can't see why he wouldn't get more than 100 goals. What, what, yeah, right, honestly, yeah. listeners, I want to know what you think. Would Cristiano Ronaldo? In a full season in the Isthmian Southeast or the Scaffold, would he score 100 goals? I'm saying he would. Do you think he'd struggle on some of the surfaces? Ah, no, no. Don't be silly. It will make no, it, no, no. It, I'm, 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 I'm playing, yeah, football's uh, playing well, on the grass. He might, yeah, he might, find it, he might find it a bit rubbish when he goes down to Gay Dawn Farm on a Tuesday night and don't fancy it. But I still think his quality would shine through. I mean, yeah, yeah, obviously yeah, you'd, yeah, have, yeah. you'd have to be in the right mental mental state because it would be quite easy to switch off, I'd imagine. But a fit and fire. Wouldn't do that. I'm sure he wouldn't get away with that ridiculous celebration he does, though, because people are like, turn that in. Yeah. But, um, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, you probably, yeah. Again, these are levels figures. that I watch. If you see somebody who's good, they are good. And we're talking players who are good from there. Interestingly, more how many would a Harland get? Because when you, when I saw that goal of the weekend, Harland, an absolute beast of a man. He's one of these players, a bit like the original Ronaldo, that you know if he's through on goal, he's not going to miss, is he? And I bet he's you, not, I'll tell you what, he'd probably enjoy being kicked a lot more than Ronaldo. Yeah, exactly. As well, yeah, so. he'd be, he'd be, yeah, he might have his ponytail pulled a little bit, but 
Yeah, he goes over to Burgess Hill on, on a Tuesday night and the centre half kicks him and Arlen's kicking him back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, yeah, you're probably right. You, you would just glide past people, wouldn't he, without absolutely no. And if he was kicked, he'd bring the free kick in the top corner as well. So yeah, it would be lovely to see. I, I just, yeah, what, who has been, that's another question now, in the scaffold equivalent or the Isthmian Southeast Division, who is the most famous player to have played at that level, who's had a career and now played for somebody else? Has there been an England international player who've gone to play at that level after their well, hasn't careers that, gone down? Mikhail Antonio started at that at Isthmian level, yeah. didn't he? Because yeah. he was at Tooting and Mitchum. Yeah. Um, but go, oh, go the other way. Well, it, has there somebody who's been at the top, done this and now turned up playing for K-Sports? <laughs> not necessarily use it, but it'll be interesting. Who is the most famous? I don't have the website now. Who is the most famous player or capped player who's played in the scaffold? It can go both ways. Either they've started in the scaffold and gone up, or they've gone the other way. That'd be an interesting question. I don't know it the answer. Be. We'd love, we'd love to find out. So, if you've got any recollections, uh, or, uh, yeah, or Isthmian League player who was an absolute legend, then ten years down the line turned out for. Um, some Isthmian League club, we'd love to know. Absolutely, we really, really would. Yeah, you can get in touch with us, as I just said, uh, on Twitter at Kent and Hill Podcast or on Facebook, search for Kent Non-League Podcast. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at John Pips 81 You can find Matt at Matthew underscore Gerard. Uh, and as we say, we do love to hear from you uh, whenever we can. As we say, loads and loads of football going on this week. So I hope that you can get out to watch a game. Hopefully I can get out to watch a couple of The weather's going to be well. good as well, isn't it? Weather's going to be baking hot. I mean, it's, it's bloody hot now. It's been hot today. Yeah. So, uh, the reason I'm in my PJs right now is because I had to have a shower a minute ago because I was just like, oh, I feel disgusting. And, and it's only going to get worse, isn't it? Next, well, when we're on holiday, the first, Saturday and Sunday are going to be really, really warm. I think it's supposed to get a bit rainy after that, but we're looking forward to it. A nice few days away, so that'd be good. So. Are you off yeah. southwestwards? We are, yes, we are. Um, I'm early, yes, we're going for for a week or so. But um, hopefully, I should be able to be on the pod next week. It won't be on the in the quality we have this, John. So I'm not taking my laptop, so uh, you may have to do some recording on my phone from that. Are one. you going somewhere else that you somewhere that you've been before, or is it yeah, somewhere, somewhere we before? Yeah, we always yep same places. So, but we visit other bits and pieces just for just for a week, and then we have got a week back here. So, um, yeah, looking forward to it. Nice, nice break. It's just nice to get away. Um, Spend time with the family and the dog, and, and it'd, be, it'd be a lovely little break for us. Yeah, I'd love to have a holiday. Oh, well, one day soon, maybe. Yeah, yeah, uh, anyway, uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to this week's show. Thank you to all of the uh, the guests that have, that have given up their time to speak to us. All of the clubs this week began with a C as well. Uh, our third episode of the season and the third letter. So maybe next week, everyone should begin with a D. Um, Dover, Dartford. Is there any more? No, it's not anymore, is it? No, no it's not. not yeah but yeah no it's been uh yeah it's been a good show and uh yeah we've really really enjoyed it and uh as, as i said i put a thing out on twitter last week but i said any club if we feature you on the show we'd we really really appreciate you sharing it with your supporters because it means so much to us uh we've got no agenda we just want all of our clubs to do as well as they possibly can um certainly when we're when, when we're talking it when we're doing this anyway when we're off the air matt says all sorts of things that you don't want yeah, to exactly yeah. but you know mm-hmm. the amount of times i hear the words monkey club honestly it's unbelievable <laughs> uh, but anyway thank you everybody for listening and we will speak to you all next week from wherever matt is on the kent Nolly podcast one of the themes starting this season john will be champions this weekend start this weekend will be champions my tip Go and put your mortgage on it.